in the talk yesterday evening I spoke about uh, the depths of awareness and I would like to uh, continue uh, in the flow of that talk. In the talk yesterday I um, mentioned a number of aspects with regard to awareness. Sometimes our awareness is shaken up by circumstances which arrive on our doorstep, so to speak. Then there can be awareness which generates the pursuit of uh, knowledge through a focus and specific, specific interest in an area. And I stressed also to a degree the importance and the value of immediacy of experience in life and let um, knowledge and information and reflection um, be born as much as possible from the standpoint of uh, experience. And this lends itself to a greater sense of inner authority uh, in life. But of course experience also needs to be accompanied with clarity and wise attention. How easy it is in life that we might have a particular experience, whatever it might be, and the outcome of that can be generating of uh, conclusions, uh, self-opinionation, the judgmental mind and generalized views. Experience is there but the relationship to the experience is one of holding and clinging and all the forms of outcome of that. And we touched upon that, in fact, in the morning, in the group meeting as well, where there can be experiences, they can be valued and appreciated, yet the outcome of that can generate a lot of clinging and holding and the pursuit of knowledge then through books, texts, teachings or whatever, then get reused to reinforce the clinging to the experience, reinforce the holding, reinforce the the discrimination which is taking place. So, in a relationship to life, experience, yes, it matters a great deal. Reflections and knowledge based on experience can help a great deal, but the relationship of one to the other matters a great deal and to be as wise and as clear about that relationship as much as possible. Then in the fields and depths of awareness, in a way it is important to look at that in in two particular ways. And one is with the forms of our experience which takes place which generate some form of uh, uh, suffering. And there can be various experiences which go on inside of ourselves and they can be painful and difficult to deal with and the thought which can arise very easily is why am I like this? How did this come to be? And then we tell ourselves that we need to dig more deeply and the form of digging more deeply is, as a common one in our culture, is to use the past as a means and a vehicle, in fact, to try to understand the present. 
we say, well, I am like this because, and in looking for causes, we go backwards in time, and in the reference to backwards in time, we might go to adolescence, we might go to a painful experience earlier in life, we might go to childhood, to parents, and some like to go further back to that, to pregnancy, um, the popular birth trauma, and then it goes to past lives, and so on and so forth. And all of that movement is a movement looking backwards in time, using memory, using the interpretation of events, maybe accurate or not, as a way of defining and explaining to ourselves why I am like I am. And sometimes that movement in time towards the past does contribute to an opening up, and it does contribute to insight. The insight, if it's authentic um, insight, may reveal the connections that take place between long time past, let us say childhood, and the the present, and therefore there's a a link up and and an awareness and an insight born of the relationship and of the comparison, born of what was to what is. What was to what is. We say, aha. And owing to this, I am like this. It may be generalized, it may be uh, accurate, or whatever. It may or may not make any difference to what is. It just says, oh, because my father was like this, or my mother was like this, or my brothers and sisters were like this, or the environment were like this, or this happened to me like this. Therefore, this is the effect and the result of all of this. And sometimes we say it's hereditary, genetic, uh, dysfunctional family, environmental circumstances, poverty, all sorts of sound, uh, valid, and significant reasons to make me like I am. There is an interest, there is a depth of awareness, it is related to experience there, but, and there may be some insight in how one thing contributes to the other. But, what counts is, is it making a difference to this? To what is? Is it making a difference? Now sometimes, the, the recognition of the influence of the past to the present makes an even more painful dif- difference. Oh my God! This went on, and this went on, and this went on, and this went on, and then it reinforces and it increases the size of the problem of the issue. And sometimes one can have the feeling, I wish I never knew. I wish I never recalled. I wish I never went back to the past because it's making me feel the burden of the past is impacting itself so much on the present I've got no breathing space. I feel trapped by what has happened to me in my upbringing, in my background, in my relationship with my parents, authority figures or whatever it might be. So it's not necessarily good news 
to have a memory. Even though the link and the causal factors are connected between what was and what is. What matters is the transformation of what is. Not your ability and my ability to remember all the subtlety and the nuances and the pain and the abuse and the confusion of what was. What use is it if it's feeding more and more into what is and it's generating a feeling of helplessness and despair and feeling trapped and a victim of one's conditioning. What use is it to drag up the old if it's just adding wood to the fire of the present? Sometimes we go with memory where angels fear to tread. Yet there is an awareness which is there. There is an acknowledgement and a recognition of past to uh, present it can, in a beneficial way, obviously, help us to understand our relationship to the here and now moment, but, to repeat the point, it's the transformation of it which counts, not the knowledge of how it came to be. If the knowledge of how it came to be really is beneficial and helping and and contributing, of course, use it. But if as it is for some people, one's half of heart says it's no use, my mind keeps running to the old to explain this. Why do it? No matter what the voices of psychological authority might be saying to us. There is an awareness there. There can be a, a genuine and sustainable uh, depth of uh, awareness uh, which is there, and yet in that awareness uh, of it, sometimes the awareness is of such an order that it makes things, as awareness is intended to do, it's choiceless in that respect, makes things stand out. It's quite choiceless. I'm not talking choiceless in that kind of meditative language. Choiceless meaning if you bring light to something, it will stand out. It doesn't bring light, doesn't say, well, just stand out the bits that I can deal with. It makes it stand out. It, it reveals, that's all awareness does. It's utterly impersonal in its function. It, there's no discrimination in it. It can't say, well, I'll just make that bit stand out. But I'll, <laughs> I won't make that, that bit stand out. It, it stands out. So in its standing out, I'm talking about the problematic mind here, in its, in its standing out, Sometimes we have a hope, it's often forlorn and disastrous, but it's it's a hope, that this awareness alone will put the fire out. We not only only do we want it to be light, we want it to, to use language and metaphors for a moment, we also want it to be water as well. We want the fire of the mind to go out through awareness. Sometimes awareness does seem to have the capacity to um, diffuse the problem. One is aware of it, one sees it, one looks at it, one uh, has no appetite for identification uh, with it, one sees it's just an effect of condition, there's no feeding of it, one is steady with the awareness, and all of that helps to take it out. But there's no guarantee with any issue of life. 
that simply by putting awareness to it, that it, the problem, whatever, about, will disappear just because one is aware of it, just because one is meditating on it, just because one is um, trying to be a mindful person. And there's always a little danger in uh, the meditation world, insight meditation world, of the extension of faith beyond experience, which says, let's be mindful. As though the mindfulness is the kind of medication which will, which will get rid of every addiction, every problem, every obsession, every neurosis, every agitation, every greed, aggression, fear, anxiety, etc. It's asking too much of that which reveals. Asking too much of that which reveals. So, in that, we say, yes, as I mentioned, relationship of past to present can be beneficial. And in that relationship, there sometimes we say, I know enough about the past. Or, I know nothing about it, either case it doesn't matter too much. And I have a situation moment to bring awareness to what matters. In all of that, sometimes we have to ask ourselves very, very directly, this situation, whatever the difficulty is, which I'm in, has to ask ourselves, is my mind really, sincerely made up to want to make a change in it? The thought is very mischievous. We think, just because I'm looking at a situation, therefore I'm interested in change. There's never been any evidence of that in the entire history of humanity, and why should you be the exception? (laughs) So, just saying, oh yes, I'm experiencing this, unpleasant, painful, or difficult, or unresolved, whatever it might be, one might have to have a very basic underlying question with the difficulty, do, am I sincerely interested in making change in this situation? Am I genuinely committed to it? Because often, but not always, the motivation factor element in it is pivotal. And when it isn't, what happens to us, we drift along in our existence in the language and the thought and the conversation and communication of wishing to make changes because somehow the thought makes us feel slightly better. Yes, I am going to change. I am interested in making change. I don't like being like this. I do want to change this. And it gives a little brings a little pleasant feeling out of oneself which says, I am have some interest and motivation to do. And that little bit of pleasant feeling that arises can be just enough just to gloss over the actuality is I'm just as the same as I ever was and really I've got no interest in changes or talk. Mind is 
tricky customer to deal with. It, it has a, 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 a extraordinary interest in maintaining the vested interest of the past, the status quo. It's not easy for the mind to make a change because it's, what it knows is what was. And what it knows is what's being presented to it. And to actually say change is required, like, ooh, no, no, please let me hang on to the old and the familiar and the miserable. Mind is a, it's an instrument, it's a, an organism, it's a, a life force, it's a vitality, it's an energy, it's a dynamic, or whatever, and it, and it wants to retain the status quo of the familiar, no matter how familiar it might be. I had a phone call today. A person on the phone was in deep distress. Close friend was visiting for a few days. Close friend had come with the partner. And the partner was yelling and shouting abuse unimaginable. And it, it was just ricocheting through the house. I could hear it on the phone. It was so loud I had to move the phone from my ear. And so the two women were quite frightened. Somebody's crushing, pushing tables over, yelling and shouting abuse, and uh, and and in a state of uh, uh, rage, and shouting at the person whose home was. Well, you would shout and scream and yell if you if you knew what she was like, and it went on and on, and the person whose home it was was. Worried about the situation, you know, you know, half past eight on a Sunday morning. Worried about what the neighbours think, you know, in middle class world, etc. <laughs> and all this heat is is going on, and so he, the guy who is hitting the roof over whatever God knows, he wouldn't speak to me. The person, his um, partner, would. And in all of this, what seemed to be standing out to me as we talked, and all the yelling was still going on while we were talking, was she seemed to prefer the situation of this, which I said, never forget, please, verbal abuse of this kind of order is a short step to physical abuse short step away. And she said, well, I love him. (laughs) (laughs) And yet, admits that he's financially bled her dry, that the history of this goes on and on, and that frequently she's afraid of him. Sometimes, what is it that goes on in the human mind where, once again, the staying with the familiar, no matter how distressing and painful, takes a priority over something to make some steps. And my, the friend who phoned me, whose home it was, said to me, 
you know, even my friend, the woman, she is swearing. She's getting uptight. She's beginning to yell. She never used to do that until she met this guy. Something's being internalized. The same pattern is beginning to repeat and come out. What's going to make the change? He's in misery, she's in misery, they go and visit a friend, and the friend's up in misery as well. One, two, three, hell. Just hell. So there's inner situations going on, manifesting uh, outwardly, and we say, okay, let me bring some awareness to these situations, looking and checking what needs to be looked at, what, <coughs> pardon me, what the questioning is that's important, what are the kind of changes that need to take place, and in all, all of that, what can help to bring conviction for change? Whether it's saying yes, whether it's saying no, or whatever it might be. And sometimes we've got within ourselves and together, collectively as well, to dig rather deep for things which you and I know need to change. And it can be much too much for that expectation to actually come totally from ourselves. Need support in all of this. When we don't, when we don't have an awareness for change, as I say, the thoughts, are rather superficial because they carry no authority with them and attacking, defending and complaining are typical expressions of keeping the status quo going. Attacking oneself or others, defending oneself or others, person very defending, that defensive, uh, or complaining. And whenever you and I notice in ourselves one, two, or three, and defensive can be passivity as well, of course, the same thing, one, two, or three, it's a fairly sure sign that we are wishing to maintain what is. All that requires care, awareness, exploration, to try to find another way of digging for change. Because those three strategies simply don't work. So then it could appear to us, or within ourselves, that inner work and inner exploration is rather exclusively one of dealing with problems that arise and trying to resolve the problem. But to focus exclusively in that way would not pay the fullest acknowledgement and respect to the resolution of problems coming through another way, another route. And where meditation comes in, transpersonal uh, experiences we touched upon briefly this morning uh, come in, all ways to show here is another other ways of working with issues which arise. And those other ways 
matter a great deal. And what I've got in mind here is depth of awareness expressing itself in the form of meditation. In the form of meditation. And as some of you have uh, reported in uh, the meetings, one sits and walks and all that one seems to know is the alarming um, frequency of noise in the mind. And one thinks, God, as soon as I drop my role, drop all the things that I'm involved in, and all what I concentrate in life, and I let that just drop away just for 45 blessed minutes, that in the moment of doing that, it's like my mind goes on a roll and expressing itself in various forms of noise. Thought noise, mental chatter, fantasies, daydreams, the whole caboodle. All going on inside and things like meditation. What's that? Awareness, observation, being mindful, non-conceptual experiences, clarity in the moment, being here and now, it can seem like all of that world, language and experience can seem so extraordinarily far away from where I am. And not surprisingly, we think, well, I've read these books and these experiences in these books and I've never had anything like that and I thought that in coming on a retreat by now I'd be touching such depth having suffered through these knee pains and back pains <laughs> and I would have got somewhere and 48 hours has gone by oh, and oh no, I'm still thinking about it and oh God and the whole day is consumed up with a inner world of dissatisfaction, noise in the mind, and nothing is good enough. All getting on a roll on a cycle in, in, within, within oneself. In an odd way, e- even that does show in the recognition of that and the communication of it as well, some element of awareness is there. Otherwise, how would you know? Something is revealing the state of mind. It might be making it painfully clear the state of mind that one is in, but something is revealing it and the revelation of it allows one to comment on it, and one notices the commentaries, and the commentaries on the commentaries, and etc. And, for those who wish, to communicate as well. So there's awareness, and it reveals all of that. And it, and it could be said, my whole day, or all my days, is totally consumed and wrapped up in all of that. And it really might feel to be just that. Oddly enough, one comes to see, oh, one might do if I'm lucky, that it doesn't matter 
too much. And though the wish in the mind is to have peace, for the mind to take a break from its relentless noise, for there to be joy, bliss, which one only ever hears about in the books and, and from no other resource, um, um, what else? Um, happiness, compassion, love, um, ecstasy with a small c, and uh, other experiences. And though one would wish to have all of that, and senses, well, if my mind would only stop for a few minutes, then maybe that could begin to flow or come through from some deep well inside inside of me. Actually, all the noise actually doesn't matter too much. It actually has less significance than the way we think about it. It has less significance than the way we think about it. We think it's a terrible problem. The very thinking about it is a problem. It's the problem. It's not like there's a problem except the way of thinking about it. And so we think about it in a particular way, it's a terrible problem, my mind will never come quiet. But in such an environment as this, there is so much which is going on which is not actually related to the noise in the mind. And the noise in the mind isn't that powerful. It can seem to be, when one it seems to be so close, and it seems to be blocking everything else. But actually, it isn't. And it's interesting to notice, and over the years, that some people have said to me they've never known a moment of meditation in their entire existence. They've, they've heard of stopping the mind and they've never had that experience. And even when they go to sleep, there's all these dreams going on all through the night. So that all they've ever noted, known is the movement of their mind, etc. And we just love for the mind just to stop just to show, at least for a moment or two, that there is a stopping of the mind which does allow some other sense to come through. But as I say, the non-stopping of the mind, though it can be a pain in the neck, literally as well as metaphorically, doesn't actually matter too much. And people go away from retreat world and quite often, certainly in their communications with me, of course they might just try to be kind to me and, and forgiving, but won't be referring in, in future times to, oh, my mind was always so noisy during the retreat. What will be remembered, things which registered. In other words, it can seem like the registration is only noisy mind. But actually, so much else is registering, going on at many levels and at many depths inside of ourselves, that the importance of the absence of the noisy mind isn't that significant, doesn't matter that much. And so if a person says to me, I've never had a quiet meditation and I've been to Gaia House since it opened, 
or whatever. Over the years, I don't blink an eyelid. And that people's noisy mind. Because something else goes on which does get registered in different ways and its registration may not come clear to one until a day later, a week later, a month later, six months later, a year later, in which one has been touched in a way which one didn't even know one had been touched at the time because one only had noisy mind. So if we don't give, not bothered whether our mind is uh, noisy, say, okay, well, that's the actuality. That's all that awareness appears to be revealing there, then so be it. Because complaining about it is no good. Attacking it, which is popular, is no use. And getting defensive about it and passive about it is no use because all of that belongs to that noisy mind. Noise doesn't put out noise. Okay, let me live with all of this which one calls the mind, which we can look at and be aware of and speak about and and explore together and go in go into. Then, for some, we'll say, well, actually, my mind isn't so noisy. Actually, there's not much going on in on in it, in, on it, in it at all, and it seems rather quiet and nothing dramatic is happening. And some people end up becoming envious of those who have, are, in the, are in a midlife crisis or have their relationships all collapsing and falling apart or uh, they've just been thrown out of a job or whatever. Well, they're lucky because at least they've got something to work with. <laughs> and, and I'm just sitting here, my mind is quiet, and nothing's, go- nothing's going on. And all the others, they're here, and they've really got some neurosis to work on. <laughs> and so the unrest and the dissatisfaction uh, starts coming in, because the quiet mind isn't good enough. And, well, what use is the, the quiet mind? And I know the moment I leave here and I arrive on Newton Abbott Railway Station, all my quiet mind will be go when British Railways announces yet again that the train is late. <laughs> so, the very state of quietness easily produces a reaction to it. So, the quiet mind and the noisy mind, you know, are kind of two sides of the mind, two statements or demonstrations, or expressions of the, of the mind. Awareness is revealing both features of the, of, of the mind. We can get very attached to how we want our mind to be, and we might be forgetting that the light of awareness noisy or quiet, the light of awareness perhaps is more significant than the condition of the mind. Something about the light of awareness which is revealing mind, which is choiceless and 
just the function of light, function of exposing, function of making things stand out, that that function has a significance more important than the condition of mind. And thus the depth of awareness may not be totally tied up with how deep our mind is, how deep the experience is. Of course, and quite often, we are looking for a quality of experience from the mind. And we may have had them. So the memory, once again, in so-called transpersonal experiences, altered states of consciousness experience, religious experiences, spiritual experience, however, whatever language we uh, like to use, like with psychological experiences, will turn the attention to the past and it will say in a different tone I had this incredible experience when I was whatever young or old, whatever it really affected me and touched me and I've never had it back again please tell me what I can do in order to repeat this experience. So the old one mind in the psychological world goes to the past and says, well, I had that and that's caused this and I want to get rid of that and all that all that's brought about. And the mind, through reflection and memory, with other forms of experience which one has appreciated and acknowledged, also goes to the past, how can I repeat it? I want to have it again. And quite often in small groups on retreat, people will say, um, inquiry periods or whatever, I had this extraordinary experience and the effect of it was this, 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 this. And it really opened up my life. This, 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 this. And then others who are listening are saying, Oh, God. I've never had anything like that. <laughs> <laughs> Why should they have these experiences? I have never had a decent experience. <laughs> what does transpersonal experience mean? What's a religious experience, a spiritual experience, an uh, uh, altered state of consciousness experience? I've, all I've ever had is my mundane mind, and never had anything like that. And so that sets in, and then says, well, they've had it, and why should they have it? It's unfair. And I need it, and... And what do I have to do to get it? <laughs> and all of that impact from others, from the world, world around it, it, it consumer spirituality. And how easy we buy into it. And again, it I have had, and the relationship to it, whether it's called painful, I have had, and the relationship to it, whether it's called spiritual or religious, 
or I haven't had a relationship to it. Whatever the form of experience. What? The relationship to these things, these events and these experiences of life which so easily we pursue, hold, cling and attach to. And with all of that, and with the depth of awareness and, and, and meditation and, and experiences, we keep saying, oh we might or might not, I wish to be enlightened, some might say that. I wish to find the truth. I wish to be with God. I wish to discover what liberation is. I wish to understand what is meant by uh, true emptiness. I wish to find that which is forever itself and not affected by circumstances. And all of those wishes and interests do matter in life. And they are important, and they can be found, things can be found and discovered in that respect uh, for oneself. But so easily, you say, what's going to confirm to me I have discovered something truly transcendental? What is really going to be the clearest revelation or indication I have discovered something? And we tend to look in two ways because we don't know any other. One is we look to the mind for some event to have happened to it that will make all the difference. Well, if I have this event and all that goes with it, that will make all the difference and that would be the confirmation, that's one. And yet the mind will never be quite certain of itself for its confirmation. So it will tend to look to another mind, generally, authority figure, spiritual figure, whatever it might be, for the secondary confirmation. And if one can get a confirmation from one's own mind, and the confirmation from another mind there of some deep, profound, transcendent, liberating, enlightening, all those uh, explosive words. Then the combination of the two then can give an assurance of having found something, or realized something, or discovered something, or understanding or knowing something, or whatever. And none can say. There is a validity to that. We can't always rely on our own mind. Of course, we can't always rely on another mind. And there is a validity to that. But that validity can become rather temporary. And so at times we can find ourselves a tremendous assurance of finding something in life which is really touching, run deep, there is a depth of awareness about it. And then a little habit pattern can slip in over days, weeks, months, or years. 
and gradually the experience with its confirmation by another and by oneself gradually fades into the background and into memory and one is in hell (coughs) in hell and I had this and I'm here and it was confirmed and I'm like this how could it be? and when that gap got big enough then in that gap one will then start having doubt about that which was past maybe I never had that maybe I imagined it maybe I misdeceived the teacher or whatever it, it might be perhaps it didn't go as deep as I thought it did and so on and so forth and that's where is the experience which is valid or which took place in the past and slowly, gradually, insidiously drifted away from it and the result of it being boom, hellishness conflict, confusion and various manifestations of nightmare existence what keeps something fresh? it since the experience can't hold together you and I have never met anybody with a continual unbroken experience of illumination profound illuminations can come out of there but um, so what will what will show something is it reliant on the experience or something about the nature of awareness And therefore, what is this depth of awareness which is authentically liberating and freeing? Which is enlightening and not dependent on the formation of experience. And that we're here to discover. That we're here to realise. While paying respect and diligently working with states of mind, diligently being aware of the way uh, at times past and present seem to be working together diligently looking at any holding and clinging to what is or to what was and recognizing that the light of awareness keeps revealing all of that but what is the source of that light that's ultimately what matters May all beings live with awareness. May all beings live with insight. May all beings live a liberated life. So let's have a couple of quiet minutes together, shall we please? Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.